Welcome to Expositional Excerpts. I'm your host, Matthew Pilch. I pastor Grace Fellowship Baptist Church in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Let's dive into the Word. In today's episode, we will be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17. Peter writes, You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. We're looking at the concept of fulfilling our duties while we wait for the Lord. As we are surrounded by false teachers and people who would twist the word of God and pervert it to their own lusts and passions and uh, twist and pervert the very being of God, if that were possible, uh, they say things that are untrue about him and about his word. And so as we wait for his blessed appearing, as we look for that and set our hopes on that, our waiting should take on certain characteristics. And uh, we, we saw that in verse uh, 14, that uh, there are certain characteristics of our waiting. We also see that our waiting must have a proper perspective in verses 15 and 16. And now with verse 17 that we just read, we see that our waiting must be resolute, resolute. To be resolute uh, is to have resolve. To have resolve means that we know something and we are stealing our bodies, our minds, everything uh, to stick to that. We are resolving to do this and and mustering our strength. And so our, our waiting must be resolute. In other words, we must not be wavering when it comes to the word of God. As we consider this in verse 17, let's look first at this idea that we have been told all of these things. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand. So we have been told everything that we need to know. This goes all the way back to the beginning of the letter that Peter writes to the diaspora, to the, the Christians that are spread abroad. Those are the recipients of his letter. And again, I would recall to your thinking and mind, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, where we are told that we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Uh, it, this all comes from the word of God. And so the things that he has articulated and what he's gone into with regard to uh, the character of false teaching, the foundation and the surety that we have in the word of God and in their particular perversions of the truth, uh, juxtaposed to what God has said about the future, not only the immediate future, but the far future as well, the eternal heavens, the new heavens and the new earth, all of those things uh, we have been told before, and he even says that Peter, him or not Peter, Paul, Paul has said uh, things on that as we looked at it in the last episode as well. He uses Paul and says that, that Paul is under inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit, that the things that Paul has written are, are scripture as well. But Paul has written on the coming day of the Lord. Paul has written on the new heavens and the new earth. Paul has written about the future. In other words, all the Christians uh, that are receiving this in Peter's day have heard these things. And so we have to remember that whenever these teachers come along and try and dissuade us and turn us away from the word of God, that we have been told the truth ahead of time. 
So what, whenever somebody comes along and the thing that they're doing is trying to steer us away from the word of God, we've already been given the word of God. And hopefully, uh, you know, you may be a newer believer or you may be a mature believer, but the point is, is you should be a continual student of the word of God, learning the things that God has said, pouring over the scriptures, hiding them in your heart, mulling over them, thinking on them, praying them back to the Lord and recounting the things that he's done in the past and the things that is recorded for us in the word, not only in the ancient past with regard to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the nation of Israel and the law and and then the prophets as well, but all the things that he's done also at the time of the New Testament and Jesus and what was accomplished at the cross of Calvary, all, all of those things. And by the way, this is why we should always be continually rehearsing the works of God in our mind. It's not just that God has worked in the ancient past. It's not just that God has worked in the past with the beginning of the church. God is still at work today. And we should always be finding cause for rejoicing. And I try and encourage uh, the folks at our church to be thinking about what God is actively doing, answers to prayer, praises, scripture that has had a meaningful impact on you this week, not just in the ancient past and, you know, things that, you know, you remember from years ago, although that can have a bearing on your life now, but what have you learned this week? What have you read this week? What what principles and what truths from the word of God are you mulling over that have been especially significant to you? Uh, what What prayer has God answered? What opportunities has he given you as a Christian to share your faith, to declare your faith, and to build redemptive relationships? Uh, Has there been a need that you have expressed to the Lord in prayer and asked others to join with you in prayer uh, with regards to that you've seen an answer to? Those are things that we need to be constantly rehearsing in our mind because God is still at work. And we know that, and we remind ourselves of these things. And then when it comes to big, huge truths regarding big, big, huge doctrine, right? Like eschatology, the doctrine of end times, and really included in the doctrine of eschatology is the doctrine of our eternal future. That's, that's all subsumed in that because all those things come later. And, and the thing that we have to recognize, therefore, is that we have been told. So when somebody comes along and they have a new idea and they have a novel idea, that doesn't mean that somehow they discovered something in the word of God that no one has ever seen before. It means that they're twisting it. (laughs) You've been told everything that you need to know from beforehand. So we can have absolute confidence in the word of of God in the scriptures. That's chapter one. We, We have also been told beforehand that false teachers will come and try to corrupt the scriptures to their own selfish reasons. That's all of chapter two. Again, you know, refer you back to that, but the unwelcome companion of orthodoxy is false teachers. They're always going to be there. Wherever the truth is, you can just bet that there will be false teachers there. You can bank on it. And then chapter three, they deny the truth about the future. You've been told all of this. Peter's told you, Paul has told you, God has told you in the scriptures. I remember reading just a couple weeks ago in my Old Testament reading, I was going through the Pentateuch and just finished up actually today, reading the very end of Deuteronomy. So now we get to move on to historical books starting tomorrow in my in my regular read through the scriptures here. But uh, I think it was in the book of Numbers, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. And, and God said that he would send 
false prophets in to test the nation of Israel. I think it was like Numbers 13. I don't have it right off at the top of my head here. (laughs) But uh, he basically said, and it was really interesting how he framed it, they will come in and they will claim to have signs and it it may be that their signs come true. (laughs) It's not just that they say, oh, this is going to happen and the thing doesn't come to pass. We already know about what we're supposed to do with those guys, right? He says, what if they say that they're going to do some incredible sign and they do the sign? And then he says this, if their message is contrary to the word of God, even though they have a glorious sign to accommodate and to accompany their message, uh, he says, then the Lord is sending them to test you to see whether or not you will be faithful to God. Wow. That's huge, right? That That's absolutely huge. So you know that they will do these things. So when false teachers come along, not only are they going to twist these things, but if it appears that their ministries have gigantic success and their building programs are in the millions and they're debt free and they, you know, have the latest technology and everything and wow, this, you know, that's not necessarily proof that that everything that they're doing is right. We still have a duty to go back to the word of God and to compare what they've said to God's word. And and we find that we've been told all of these things. So with regards to our resolution in waiting to be resolved, to be resolute, we have to remember that we've been told everything, right? That everything is there. It's it's all there. But not only have we been told all these things beforehand, which is what he says, beloved, uh, there, you therefore beloved, knowing this beforehand, there's a second aspect to our resolute character of our waiting uh, that we should not allow ourselves to be carried away by false teachers. So this is an imperative, and this is where we get the idea of being resolute. Do not allow yourself, take care, the ESV says, that you are not carried away. Now, this is a passive imperative. Okay, don't be carried away. Do not allow yourself to be carried away. In other words, we understand the power of false teaching, that it has the power to do just that. That's why it's so tempting. That's why so many people go after false teachers. In fact, we seem to, if we can put some kind of math equation to the scriptures, it seems that the majority of people out there will be hoodwinked and will go after false teachers and false gods. And narrow is the way that leads to life. And few there are that are on that. It's something that we ought to think about a lot. And so the people who have the art, the skill, and I'm not saying this is a good thing, but of twisting the scriptures, we have to recognize that the power in twisting those things is to carry one away from orthodoxy, to carry one away from the gospel, to carry one away from the truth. And so the command to believers is therefore, do not allow yourself to be carried away. You stand in the way and erect a barrier. So the the picture that is being painted, carried away here, is a picture of jumping into a fast-moving river, not a pool, right? So we're not talking about swimming. We're talking, you know, swimming in general. We're talking about a fast-moving river. Now, if you've ever done this before, you you know what it's like. I grew up in central Oregon, uh, in the high desert of central Oregon, and we had the, the Deschutes River running through there. 
It's fed by glacier springs, like glacier melt, right? Because you've got the Cascade Mountains right there and they're covered in snow or glaciers, I should say, not fresh snow as in powder, but there's glaciers year round because they're so high up and those glaciers melt and they feed the glacier springs, uh, spring fed, you know, and they go into the river. And I remember I grew up swimming in that river. Now that I'm older and I live in Florida and I think that swimming in 75 degree water is cool, I would probably be absolutely shocked out of my system <laughs> to go back and swim in the cold Deschutes River, even if it was a really hot day because it's ice cold. But there are some spots in the Deschutes, I remember this very clearly, and growing up and, and swimming in the summertime, where if you jumped in, whoo, you know, you come back up and you might be 50 or 70 or maybe even 100 feet downstream of where you jumped in. That is the idea of being carried away. A very fast moving current just whisks you away. And of course, what we have to do then is to take that picture and put it back into the truth that is being taught to us here, that this picture of a fast moving river that has that ability, that has that power, is what effectively false teaching does, okay? The, the error of lawless people, that's what he says, right? That you are not carried away with the error of lawless people. So that's the false teachers, that's their error. And when you jump on board with their error and you begin to entertain it, how fast can that error take you away from orthodoxy? What can take you away from it just as fast as a quickly moving river or stream could? In other words, dangerously fast, and you wouldn't even know it. I can say this as well from jumping into those types of rivers when I was a, a young uh, a, a kid and a teenager. Uh, you don't think about it. I mean, you know you're just bracing for the impact of the cold water. You go down, and then you just bob back up, and all of a sudden, you're 70 to 100 feet downriver. You're not thinking about the amount of distance that you've traveled, and as you come up for a natural breath to take your bearing and everything, you are that far away. And the second you begin to entertain false teaching, that is exactly what you have done in a metaphorical way. You have jumped into the false river or you've jumped into a fast moving river of false teaching. And the danger then is that you are carried that much farther away from true orthodoxy and into the error. You've got to get out of that as fast as you possibly can. Do not allow yourself to be carried away. So there's that there's that aspect carried away. We looked at that. We looked at the idea of the fast moving river picture there of lawless people and that, that they are the fast moving river. Uh, but then we see this last little bit here and lose your own stability to keep with the river metaphor here. If you jump into that river, you will lose your stability. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing because I did some crazy things when I was a teenager. What teenager doesn't? Uh, but I did a little bit of cross uh, country uh, mountain biking. I did a lot of road biking as well, but I did I did a, a decent amount of mountain biking. I had some friends that did that and we did we did some just crazy things and there's a lot of opportunity to do that. So we we're riding through one day and uh, we came across uh, I think it was a, an arm or a uh, tributary of the of the Deschutes River. And we decided that we were going to jump our bike into the river. Very dumb. Wouldn't go back and do that again. But, you know, 
teenager, so I, I don't know what I could say. Thank the Lord uh, that he is gracious and protects us in our stupidity, right? I can tell you this. The second I hit the water, do you think I had any control of that bike after that? Not a chance. Now, it, you know, thankfully I was able to hang on and, and get it back out, but uh, you absolutely lose control. The whole time you're on stable ground, hard ground, and you might be jumping tree stumps and fallen trees and rocks and those type of things, you're kind of in control. But the second you jump into that river, you have lost all stability. You have no ability to stay upright. You have no ability to keep pedaling, nothing. You've lost stability. And the problem then, bringing this illustration back to false teaching, is that false teaching itself because it is that fast moving river, not only will it carry us away from orthodoxy, as we've just seen with the speed of the river, but you will begin to quickly lose stability. In other words, the, you know, I, I can't say it strongly enough. You've got to get away from that so fast. I mean, the second you come in contact with false teaching, you've got to get out of there. Because the longer you stay in it, the less stable you will be, and it will be very hard for you to step back and gain that stable and sure footing. Now, nothing is beyond the Lord. He can do anything. But from man's standpoint, you are in dangerous, dangerous territory the second you begin to entertain false teaching. So what this means very practically then is that when you get into the company of a false teacher very practically, they will be able to cause you to doubt the truth. They're going to be able to say, look at my impressive argument and look at all of this. And it goes contrary to the word of God, but I have a reasonable explanation. And they're going to be able to plant a seed of doubt with regard to the word of God. They're going to be able to cause you to doubt the truth, not only of certain parts of the scripture, you know, for instance, issues of morality and truth, but also regarding the past judgment of sin and the future judgment on sin. Because if you acknowledge that God has judged sin in the past, then that means that he does judge sin, he hates sin, and it also sets a precedent that he will do so in the future because if you acknowledge the reality of the past judgment of sin, then you also acknowledge that he said he will do it again in the future, and if he did it once before, then if he said he's going to do it again, there's more of a case there. You see how that argument goes. So they're also going to get you to turn on that regarding the past judgment of sin, regarding the future judgment on sin, and they're even going to begin to get you to doubt the future reality of the new heavens and the new earth. Again, things that people don't like to think on. And so we have to moor ourselves. We have to anchor ourselves. We have to, uh, you know, really make sure that we are secure and, and lashed, if you will, to the foundation of, of the word of God, because it is so dangerous to go off from that and you will begin to doubt everything the second you are carried away. So make sure that while you're waiting, it is done with incredible resolution, that you are a resolute waiter, that you are absolutely stand fast, steadfast in your waiting for the Lord and hanging on to his promises. This has been another podcast of Expositional Excerpts with Pastor Matthew Pilch. If you'd like more information, please visit our church website at gfbc.net.